0: Thank you for tuning into IRIS today. This is the reading of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier for Monday, February 12th. I'm your volunteer reader, Bob Young. Let's take a look at the weather forecast for the Waterloo Cedar Falls area, this forecast coming from the National Weather Service in Des Moines. Monday will be sunny with a high near 46 degrees, west southwest wind from 6 to 10 miles per hour, becoming northwest in the afternoon. On Monday night, it will be partly cloudy with a low around 25. Tuesday, expect it to be mostly sunny with a high near 43, and Tuesday night, partly cloudy again with a low around 27 degrees. Wednesday will be mostly sunny with a high near 47, and in the evening on Wednesday, we're looking at a low of 28 degrees, and it will still be mostly cloudy. Thursday, mostly sunny, with a high near 40 degrees, and it will be breezy. And in the evening on Thursday, partly cloudy, with a low around 22 degrees. And Friday, partly cloudy, with a high near only 32 now. Looking at the front page, we have two articles to read, and the first one is Old as the Hill. Shop Remain's vintage treasure, more than 100 years after opening Andy Milone wrote this story, and the dateline is Cedar Falls. The story begins with a photograph showing Colleen Deitz giving a haircut to Luke Zahari, who is a longtime customer from Cedar Falls, at the College Hill Barbershop on Thursday. Now to the text of the article. The College Hill Barbershop takes great pride in remaining vintage as the calendar flips from one decade to the next. The business has stood tall at 2216 College Street since 1915, way longer than half of the life of the nearby University of Northern Iowa, and enjoys giving clients that chance to look back on history. The College Hill Barbers, as they were often referred to as, offer old yearbooks on shelves, newspapers on the wall, and other literature like State College of Iowa, now UNI, football programs. The timeline on display, metaphorically, inside the shop, enters other lanes, too, that of the cosmetology industry and business in general. For example, there are old barber chairs in cash register many decades old, but still in use today. Quote, That's a big reason why I am here. I like the nostalgic, historic vibe, said Beth Bremer, who's been cutting hair there for about 20 years. Quote, We're not cookie cutter, unquote. Businesses have come and gone on College Hill, but not the familiar barbers on the eastern side of the business district. A lot of people will remember their immediate neighbors, formerly to the north and south, the other place, and Sub City. That was the lineup for 17 years before Sub City moved a little farther up the hill, and most recently the O.P., closed, and opened a new location on Main Street. Quote, they were great neighbors, said Joe D. Neptune, owner of Sub City on College Hill. We were kind of like the icons on the hill. At least, that's how we felt for several years. Us and Sud's Bar. Someone could enjoy a sandwich or a pizza right before or after getting their hair trimmed. There'd always been a lot offered for you and I and the greater community. Competition existed, too, in the hair industry, but it never knocked the College Hill barbers down on the mat. Quote, "'Cost cutters came in at one point and was supposed to run us out of business when it opened on the Hill. But they closed, and we're still open,' said Colleen Dites, who'd, until recently, owned the shop. She'd taken the reins with Jan Stonewall, her business partner, for a short while, in 1983— from the late Merle Anderson and Nate Reed. Deitz has cut hair there at the barbershop since 1978. Reed and Anderson had taken over ownership in the 1940s from Clyde Lewis, who founded the shop in the early 1900s, though at a different spot on the Hill, between 20th and 21st Streets. Dietz sold the building and business to Heath Wilkin in December. He will operate his business Cedar Falls laser engraving out the back after previously running it from home. With new owners, worries of extreme change sometimes come, but that's never going to happen with Wilkin. Quote, after I found out about the business and history, I knew I wasn't going to change any of that, he said. I don't want any of the stuff to be lost. Unquote. Quote, the hill's gone a little downhill, but it's not going anywhere, he added. I remember when, 25 or 30 years ago, Main Street went through a similar phase. The traffic is still here, and I have confidence that College Hill will shine again. It's still the place to eat, get entertainment, and get a haircut." For those who walk inside the shop this month, there is some work underway. But, rest assured, it's a small bathroom and office renovation project, nothing major. The shop has another small change coming soon as another professional gets to join the team and would make it three haircutters total. It has two more of the brown hydroelectric Belmont barber chairs from the 1960s available for rent for anyone looking for a place to cut hair. After getting their hair cut, clients check out the old National Cash Register that is even older than the chair's. Quote, that was like the apple of technology back then, said Wilkin of the Register, as Oldie's music on KCFI 1250 AM played in the background. Upon stepping and slide, clients will see that examples of vintage pride are practically endless. Various old portraits on the wall above the haircutting stations show former workers and shop owners trimming. Quote, You can look at the ties and know what year it is, said Bremer. There's still an old rotary phone. Without the rotary, it's no longer in use. But approximately six years ago, a barber was able to receive a call on one of several in the shop. They weren't able to dial out. That's because the shop had a payphone. Quote, It was straight out of Andy Griffith from the 60s, said Dietz. You used to have people who would talk on the phone and clog up the lines, unquote. Dietz keeps business records from decades ago, too. An unused old thermos-controlled hooded hair dryer sits in the waiting area, and there's shelving with a whole host of older cosmetology instruments, like a flat-top comb with a actual level, as well as old shears, razors, and lather cups, and other common doodads from barbershops of years past. Dietz cuts hair in the first chair nearest the big storefront window, maybe 12 feet on the diagonal facing College Street. That's part of the experience, as well as it offers no shortage of entertainment like people who struggle with parallel parking out front. Quote, that window is like a big TV, Wilkins said. There's always something going on outside. The barbers can talk with the best of them and have seen a flurry of students Professors, university presidents, and even some more well known people come through their doors. Quote, Mitt Romney's son came in here when his father was giving a speech, and Greg McDermott from Creighton, and Kurt Warner too, Dite said. The list includes other former UNI greats with ties to athletics like Stan Sheriff, Terry Allen, and Bob Bolesby. At the end of the day, Dietz looks back and knows her old bosses, would be proud to see the place still up and running. She originally got to know one of them, Anderson, while waitressing at a maid right that was across the street from the shop. He was the one who suggested she go to the Waterloo School of Barber Styling, now Salon Professional Academy, at College Square Mall. Quote, I thought I'd try it. It wasn't like some big dream or anything but it sounded cool and seemed interesting. I think Merle would appreciate that I've stuck with it, Deet said. That's why it's great that we got going with Heath coming in, unquote. People like how the College Hill Barbers, as they've known on the building and commonly over the phone and in conversation, are good at what they do and how they find fair value in their services. They talk with the professionals who love what they do, about anything from sports to travel stories and get to know them on a first name basis. Quote, "You meet a lot of great and really nice people," said Deets. "You get to know their families, and I've been doing this long enough that I know three generations. Yes, I get grandchildren now. I've been here that long. One customer is Brett Ford. It's simple for him as to why he gets his hair cut there. He's found the service reliable, convenient, and dependable, the last three to five years. Quote, I come because I get a good haircut, he said while getting a trim from Bremer. Every four or five weeks, I get one scheduled. They're always flexible when something comes up and have no problem rescheduling. I get the same haircut, and she remembers what to do with the hair, the beard, eyebrows, and ear hair, Unquote. Another is Julie Huffman Klinkowitz the collections manager and curator for the Cedar Falls Historical Society, has trusted getting her hair cut there for at least 20 years. Quote, I believe you are the best barber in Cedar Falls, she said, about Dietz. She loves her for honoring requests like wanting shorter hair and not wanting to use over-the-top hair products. Quote, I've been coming here for a long time after I had been going to Waterloo. My dad was coming here. It's close by and easy to get to, she said. Kaufman Klinkowitz said another reason she comes is the people and the atmosphere. Quote, our local barbershops are really important. Having those familiar barbershops and grocery stores, those traditional businesses, are really valuable. Quote, but new businesses are good too, she added. Look at the Nook bookstore downtown. There has to be that balance, unquote. Rival bills in legislature aimed to cap or freeze tuition costs. Story written by Tom Barton of the Courier's Des Moines Bureau. Dateline Des Moines. To freeze or to cap. Iowa lawmakers have introduced competing proposals aimed at addressing the increasing cost of attending college at the state's public universities. Iowa House Democrats on Wednesday filed a bill that would freeze tuition at Iowa's three public universities for in-state undergraduate students starting in the 2024-25 school year. House Republicans, meanwhile, have proposed capping annual increases in tuition and mandatory fees at 3% for baccalaureate degrees at the University of Iowa, Iowa State University, and the University of Northern Iowa. The Democrats' proposal House File 2352, would freeze tuition and fees for incoming in-state freshmen undergraduates for all four years as they pursue a baccalaureate degree. Tuition and fees could increase for the next freshman class, but would also be frozen at that level for four years. The tuition freeze would not apply to out-of-state or graduate students. For too many Iowa families, the rising costs of higher education are forcing students to take on more debt and leave Iowa for higher wages, said Representative Adam Zebner, an Iowa City Democrat and a sponsor of the bill. Quote, Today, there are 433,000 Iowans with student loan debt that averages over $30,000, Zebner said, and last year there were 41,300 Iowa residents at the University of Iowa, Iowa State, and University of Northern Iowa, unquote. At the University of Iowa, Iowa State University, and the University of Northern Iowa, in-state tuition and fees ranged between $9,700 and nearly $11,000 for the 23-24 school year, an increase of about 3.5 percent from last year. Some specialized degree programs saw higher rate hikes, as did out of state students at Iowa State. Zabner noted undergraduate tuition and fees at the University of Iowa have increased sevenfold in the last two decades, from one thousand four fifty three in two thousand, the year after he was born, to more than ten thousand dollars today. Quote That's too much. That's hard for families to work out, Zabner said. Lawmakers last year denied the universities any general education increase and instead provided an additional $7.1 million tied to specific programs across the campuses. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds has proposed an additional $12.3 million, a 2.5 percent increase, for each of Iowa's public universities for the upcoming budget year. That's well below the roughly forty million dollar overall increase requested by the Board of Regents in university funding. The regents had sought $14.8 million more in general education support, in addition to special requests by each campus, with both the UI and ISU getting four point five million dollar increases and UNI getting $5.8 million hike. The UNI increase would have allowed it to keep tuition flat next year. Zabner said House Democrats noted their bill would provide a corresponding annual budget increase to ensure ISU, UNI, and UI can freeze tuition without having to make budget cuts and compromise services. Quote, we don't want to put them on the hook for cutting or capping tuition and not having the resources they need, House Minority Leader Jennifer Confirst a Democrat from Windsor Heights, told reporters. Zabner added, quote, We want to make sure that we are fully funding education in the state, but we also want to make sure that every Iowa family can make the choice to send their student to college if that's what they want to do, unquote. GOP plan. House Republicans, who hold an agenda-setting majority, argue a tuition freeze is unsustainable. Quote, I think that our proposal is much more sound because it doesn't just throw money at the problem and unrealistically freeze tuition, which will probably just be temporary, said Representative Taylor Collins, our Republican from Mediapolis, lead sponsor of a House Republican's higher education omnibus bill, House File 2327, that would cap tuition increases, quote, a concrete ceiling of 3% is a good amount because it does allow a little bit of growth while at the same time controlling costs, Collins said, calling House Democrats' bill a poor proposal, unquote. Quote, because you're just looking to throw more money at the problem, he said. But the fact is, we've seen the system just continue to consume any money we give them. Meanwhile, administrative and tuition costs continue to grow, Collins said. Tuition growth. Iowa Regents' universities have touted tuition revenue as an increasingly important piece of their operating budget. In the 2023 budget year, tuition accounted for 60% of the university's combined operating revenue, while state appropriations accounted for about 33%. In 2001, the reverse was true with state funding accounting for 64% of the university's combined operating revenue, according to data from the Iowa Board of Regents, the governing body overseeing Iowa's three public universities. The University of Iowa last year saw its tuition revenue increase $24.7 million over the prior year, in part because of cost increases. Iowa State University's tuition revenue last year came in at $10.3 million over the prior year, thanks to the rate hikes, even though it was $5.6 million under budget. My heart broke. Avery Detbarn of Strawberry Point, a second-year student at the UI studying political science, spoke alongside House Democrats in support of their proposal. Detbarn Barn said she found herself unable to afford a large chunk of her tuition after applying for financial aid, scholarships, and federal loans. She applied for private loans, but was continuously denied because she could not find a cosigner with a suitable credit score. Quote, my heart broke knowing that I may not be able to follow my dreams because I cannot afford the tuition to pursue those dreams, Detbarn Barn said. Fortunately, Debt Barnes said she was able to find a distant family member willing to lend her the money on a repayment plan. Quote, But this is not the case for everyone, she said. Young Iowa adults are struggling to pursue their collegiate dreams because of the high and rising tuition prices, and this bill would directly impact those students and allow us to follow our dreams without the additional financial stress. Quote, Iowa's young adults deserve the fundamental right to education, and this bill is what we as students need to help our success and our future. Confirst, the House minority leader, said the House Democrats are also working on plans to help students attending Iowa's private universities and community colleges, including supporting the Iowa Tuition Grant Program. Woman Arrested for Alleged Threats to University of Northern Iowa Staff. Jeff Reinitz wrote the story, and the dateline is Cedar Falls. A former University of Northern Iowa student has been arrested for allegedly threatening a dean and her husband and threatening to shoot a university staff member. Aisha Amud Nayala, 25, currently a Valtuna, was arrested Tuesday on warrants for five counts of first-degree harassment and three counts of stalking by use of a technological device. She also had been arrested in January on a charge of intimidation with a weapon. She was released pending trial. The cases were investigated by the Cedar Falls Police Department and University of Northern Iowa Police Division. According to court records, Nyala threatened to harm Allison Raffanello, the Dean of Students, and her husband, Nick Raffanello, UNI's Executive Director of Housing and Dining. Police allege Anayala used an alternate Facebook profile to post messages to a Raffanello family photo saying, quote, I will get someone to deal with you and, quote, I will make sure that what you've done comes back to haunt you, unquote, in November. In January, UNI officials received an online student complaint stating, in part, quote, I promise that I will get revenge on you if it's the last thing I do. That's something I'm willing to dedicate my life to. My new studies will be how to successfully get revenge, unquote. Then on January 22nd, Nayala allegedly phoned the Iowa Board of Regents to ask about a complaint she filed. During the call, she allegedly stated if something isn't done, she will go to the university and, quote, shoot that woman in the head, unquote. Documents don't identify the intended victim of the shooting threats, but prosecutors handling the case sought restraining orders to protect Allison Rafanello and Heather Harbach, UNI's vice president of Student Life. The bogus Facebook account that posted the messages was eventually linked to Nyala's email address, court records state. Investigators also used the IP address on the January student complaint to trace the message to Nyala's home address, according to court records. Waterloo Schools Partnering with Education Tech Company The story written by Angela Sturm McLaughlin, and the dateline is Waterloo. A partnership with an education technology company is helping Waterloo Community Schools students learn about post secondary possibilities. The Board of Education will hear an informal report on the Next Grad College Opportunity Network during its 5 p.m. meeting Monday at the Education Service Center at 1516 Washington Street. The family owned company based in Salt Lake City provides digital screens at no cost to high schools. The screens serve as a dynamic platform, introducing students to a wide array of institutions, programs, and opportunities that they may not have previously been aware of. In other business, the Board is expected to approve seeking bids and set a March 25th public hearing date on the proposed East High roof replacement over the auditorium and pool. The contractor would remove materials down to the decking on the two roof sections, replacing it with new insulation and a synthetic rubber membrane. The bid date is scheduled for March 13th. And also, accept a donation of $200,000 from the R.J. McElroy Trust in support of the Life Lab program, which provides out-of-the-classroom experiences and service learning for students. Starting in 2018, the trust gave the district $1.5 million over three years to get the program started. Last fall, it pledged another three-year commitment of $200,000 annually starting this year. Also, they voted to approve a trip by 10 Career Center students and two teachers to participate in the Cyberforce competition in Baltimore, Maryland, March 22nd through the 26th. Students also will visit Washington, D.C. for a tour of U.S. cybersecurity operations. The 10717 cost of the trip will be covered by a grant. Also, the board is expected to celebrate the accomplishments of the first Lego League Challenge program. Five district teams participated in the state championship last month, and set a February 26 public hearing on the 2024-25 district school year calendar. And lastly, approved the appointment of Matthew Verbraken as the associate director of finance, with a salary of $95,000. He would replace Jeff Sommerfeld, who has been appointed chief financial officer. The board will meet in a special session at 4.15 p.m. in Room 110 to discuss the Be Smart program. Be Smart is a national program that promotes responsible gun ownership to reduce accidental child gun deaths. The campaign focuses on education and awareness about child gun deaths and secure gun storage. Man Jumps Fence at Airport Guard Facility, gets arrested. Story written by Jeff Reinitz, Dateline Waterloo. An Ankeny man was detained when he allegedly entered a fenced-in area at a National Guard facility near the Waterloo Regional Airport on Thursday night. Police cited Michael Robert Schock, 34, for first offense trespassing. Authorities allege Schock hopped a barbed wire fence and then climbed underneath the main gate at the Army Aviation Support Facility, 2245 Big Rock Road, which is a restricted area marked by no trespassing signs, at about 11.30 p.m. The property is owned by the Iowa Army National Guard. Waterloo police found him walking in front of the facility when they arrived. He was released pending a court date. The incident came about 12 hours after Schock was arrested for misdemeanor theft in Cedar Falls. In that case, he allegedly entered Target on Viking Plaza Drive, changed into $115 worth of clothing from the store, including shoes and underwear, and walked out, leaving his original clothes behind, according to court records. Hearing Planned on Cedar Falls School Roofing Projects, story written by Angela Sturm-McLaughlin, and this dateline is Cedar Falls. A public hearing will be held Monday on planned Cedar Falls Community Schools roofing and tuck-pointing projects estimated to cost more than $300,000. The Board of Education meets at 5.30 p.m. in Cedar Falls City Hall at 220 Clay Street. Bids are being sought for the projects at Cedar Heights and Orchard Hill Elementary Schools where portions of the roofs will be replaced this summer. Last month, Terracon Consultants Incorporated of Cedar Falls discussed the projects. At Cedar Heights, a 10,844-square-foot roof will be replaced at an estimated cost of $240,000. The 1,060-square-foot roof at Orchard Hill would be replaced at an estimated cost of $35,000. Terracon's design services are estimated at $36,100. The projects will be funded with physical plant and equipment levy revenues. In other business, the board will consider approving two bids from school bus sales in Waterloo. A 72-passenger bus would cost $257,394, and a 30-passenger bus would cost $105,655. They will also hear an update from Superintendent Andy Patti on the Iowa legislative session and the current high school. Last month, developer Brent Dahlstrom made a presentation to the board about buying the building once it is vacated. Now, don't touch that dial We just want to take a moment to remind you that you're listening to the reading of the Waterloo-Cedar Falls Courier for Monday, February 12th on IRIS, that's I-R-I-S, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Service for the Blind and the Print Handicapped. Now, let's turn to the obituaries. Marilyn Lee Fremont Hanson was born to Everett Thomas and Martha Westring Fremont in Waterloo, Iowa. She graduated from Waterloo East High School and went on to attend Iowa State Teachers College, now known as the University of Northern Iowa. There, she met John Edward Hanson, and they were united in marriage on February 4, 1960, in Waterloo, Iowa. Rumor has it, They met when she was a dancer in a production of Kiss Me, Kate, and he was in the orchestra pit. Marilyn loved all English classes while attending college, particularly English literature. After graduating from college, she worked as a high school educator, particularly in the subject she loved. She once shared that her one regret as a teacher was the day John F. Kennedy died. It was announced over the intercom and she wished she had asked her students to get out their composition books and just start writing thoughts, feelings, how this would impact them and our country. This was not for a grade. She would never read them. They were for her students to take with them moving forward as they became adults. She truly felt this was an opportunity lost. She ultimately relocated to Dickinson, North Dakota, where John took his first university job. There, she was a substitute teacher and was a dog mom to Charlie and Lucy. Yes, she named them after the Peanuts characters. John and Marilyn moved back to the Cedar Valley in the late 1960s and adopted their daughter, Inger Christine Hansen, now Elliot. Marilyn was rather dismayed when they arrived at the adoption agency and she was handed a baby girl dressed only in a diaper, and was given a 3 by 5 instruction card. Luckily, she had brought a number of blankets, and she received instructions. She wished she had received a second instruction card for the teen years, but it didn't exist. From that point on, she was a homemaker with occasional jobs that piqued her interests, not only for what she did, but the people with whom she worked. Her favorite, was at Maggie's Youth Shop in downtown Cedar Falls. But let's be honest, it was for the employee discount. She also loved to play tennis, meet with friends to play bridge, and was an active member in AAUW and TTT. As for the bridge, it morphed into lunch with her friends. I know she missed those get-togethers, particularly after she and John made a more permanent move to Minnesota after John's retirement. The things that made her the happiest in Minnesota were her grandchildren, John Maxwell and Emerson Corona. She was often doing crafts with them at the cabin and always made sugar cookies at Christmas time for them to decorate. She also attended many, many football, basketball, and lacrosse games, watching her grandchildren do the things they loved the most. Unfortunately, it became obvious that she started suffering from memory problems, and Alzheimer's chose the course of the rest of her life. There will be a celebration of life on Friday, June 14, 2024, from 1130 a.m. to one thirty p.m. at Richardson Funeral Home, located at 615 Main Street in Cedar Falls, Iowa, 50613. Afterward, please join us for food, drinks, and and the joyful sharing of memories just down the street at the other place, 209 Main Street. We would love to see you and spend some quality time together. In lieu of flowers, the family asks that any memorials be directed to the Cedar Bend Humane Society at 1166 West Airline Highway, Waterloo, Iowa, 50703. It would mean the world to her, given her love of the little furry ones she had in her life. Thank you. Next, Delbert L. Puddle, 95, of Cedar Falls, died at his home Thursday, February 8, 2024. He was born on October 27, 1928, in Waterloo, the son of Harry E. and Edna A. Lohman Puddle. He graduated from East High School— in 1947. He married Nina Furneau in October 15, 1950, at the Cavalry Evangelical United Brethren Church in Waterloo. They were members of Kimball Avenue United Methodist Church. Dell served as an usher and was a member of the Fireside Group. He was a member of the Cedar Valley Garden Club. Dell enjoyed model trains and railroading in his free time. He and Nina attended UNI sporting events and the Cedar Falls Municipal Band concerts for many years. Dell worked as a maintenance carpenter at the University of Northern Iowa for 25 years, retiring in 1990. Funeral services will be at 1030 Wednesday, February 14, 2024, at the Kimball Avenue United Methodist Church in Waterloo. Burial will be in the Garden of Memories Cemetery in Waterloo, visitation will be from four o'clock to seven o'clock p.m. Tuesday, February thirteenth, twenty twenty-four, at Locke on Fourth, fifteen nineteen West Fourth Street in Waterloo. Memorials may be directed to the Kimball Avenue United Methodist Church, Cedar Falls Municipal Band, or the Cedar Valley Arboretum. Online condolences may be left at www com. Next, Donald J. Meester, 89, of Holland, Iowa, passed away peacefully on Sunday, February 4, 2024, of natural causes. His family was by his side. Don was born the son and only child of Harry and Jesse Meester on January 2, 1935, in rural Holland, Iowa. He graduated from Parkersburg High School in Parkersburg, Iowa. Don met the love of his life, Mary Lou Aarons, while she was working for Van Eeman and Mueller, attorneys in Parkersburg. On September 21, 1962, the couple were united in marriage at First Congregational Church in Parkersburg. The couple made their home in rural Holland, Iowa. There, they raised three children, Donna, John, and Evan, in what they considered a fairy tale life in the home where Don had been born. When Mary Lou fell ill in 2020, they moved to Omaha, Nebraska, but never lost their ties to Dutch Valley Farms, which would always be home. Don was a strong Christian and a member of Pleasant Valley Reformed Church in rural Holland. He enjoyed listening to Christian music, the local layman quartet being one of his favorites. In 2018, Dutch Valley Farms' was reorganized as a 150-year-old Iowa heritage farm. It had also been home to Dutch Valley Angus in his early farming career. Family was always a top priority of Don's, which fed his interest into researching his family's ancestry. The result was a very comprehensive book and follow-up. He also penned notes and stories in a collection he titled Aunt Nettie's Diaries. Don loved all sports because of his daughter's affiliation with the University of Alabama. He spent many winters in Tuscaloosa and became a huge Alabama football fan, traveling as a guest of the president to many playoff and championship games. The Parkersburg Lions Club provided Don the opportunity to be active in his community. He served as the president of this organization and was recognized as Lion of the Year. Don was a very talented woodworker and made the majority of wood furnishings in their house, many made from trees on the farm. He later specialized in smaller items and was known for his beautiful pen making. He loved sharing his craft and recently sold many of his creations at the independent living facility where he lived. He was proud to contribute all proceeds almost $2,000, to St. Jude's Children's Hospital. He became known as the man who does woodworking or the man who wears car shirts at his place of residence. He was proud to wear his collection of shirts printed with vintage cars or farmall tractors. He enjoyed the many car trips the family took, and in later years with Mary Lou, having visited almost every state in the Union, as well as Caribbean Cruises with family. Papa Don treasured his visits with his grandchildren, Blake and Bailey, with whom he enjoyed eating ice cream. A visitation for Don will be on February 18, 2024, from 4 o'clock to 7 o'clock p.m. at Abel's Funeral and Cremation Service in Grundy Center, Iowa. The funeral service will be February nineteenth, at 10.30 a.m. at Pleasant Valley Reform Church in rural Holland, Iowa. Following a brief reception after the service, Don will be laid to rest at Rose Hill Cemetery in Grundy Center, Iowa, exactly two years after Mary Lou. Memorials may be directed to Lakeview Camp in Pella, Iowa, or directly to the family. Next is Ferdinand E. known as Bud Henze, age 90, and he passed away on Wednesday, February 7th, in Applington, Iowa, Bud was born on August 15, 1933. The son of Ferdinand L. and Augusta Asher Henze, he was a member of the American Lutheran Church in Grundy Center, Iowa. Bud was baptized on October 3, 1933, at the Salem Lutheran Church. He graduated from the eighth grade in 1948 from Colfax Number One School. On March twentieth, 1948, he was champion speller of the Des Moines Register Spelling Bee. Bud graduated from Grundy Center High School in May of 1952. He served in the United States Army for two years. Bud married Gloria Thessing at the Lutheran Church in Rhinebeck, Iowa. They were married for 50 years before her passing in 2019. Bud was a lifetime farmer. His hobbies included hunting, fishing, and looking for good restaurants. For more information, please go to Engelkiss Abel's Funeral Homes website. Next, we have two death notices. Tamara K. Baker, 63, of Cedar Falls. She died on Tuesday, February 6, 2024, at Unity Point Health Allen Hospital. Private graveside services at Cedar Valley Memorial Gardens. Arrangements by Richardson Funeral Service. Next, Mark H. Sawyer, May 20th, 1949 to December 21st, 2023. Mark H. Sawyer, 74 of Waterloo, Iowa, passed away on December 21st, 2023, peacefully at Allen Hospital. Mark was born on May 20th, 1949 in Waterloo, Iowa. He married Jan Sawyer, on October fourth, 1986, a celebration of life will be announced at a later date, and memorials may be directed to the family. Next, Beth Mary Ann Lovejoy, 94, of Waverly, died on Wednesday, February seventh, 2024, at the Bartles Lutheran Retirement Community in Waverly. Having survived all her siblings, she has now reunited with them again in heaven. Beth was born January 12, 1930, on the family farm outside of Tripola. She graduated from Tripola High School. On November 16, 1952, she was united in marriage to Keith Lovejoy at Trinity United Methodist Church in Waverly. To this union, two daughters were born, Terry and Barb. Beth worked at Wrath Packing in Waterloo and Lutheran Mutual, True Stage, in Waverly. In addition, she was an active and loving homemaker. Beth was a longtime faithful member of Trinity United Methodist Church, where she served in the Trinity Women's Circle and Trinity Quilters. She was an avid walker and enjoyed being a part of the Wartburg Walk and Talk group. Beth served as a leader for Waverly Girls and Girl Scouts, where she was the service unit chair. She was active with the Waverly Hospital Auxiliary, American Legion Auxiliary, Iowa Rose Society, and the Garden Club. Funeral services for Beth will be held at 2 o'clock p.m. on Monday, February twelfth, at the Trinity United Methodist Church in Waverly, with burial to follow in the Harlington Cemetery. Her visitation will be held from 12 o'clock until the time of service at the church on Monday. Memorial contributions may be directed to Ira Sturtevant House, Incorporated, and Alzheimer's Association, Iowa Chapter. Online condolences may be left at kaisercorson.com. Kaiser Corson Funeral Home in Waverly is in charge of arrangements for Beth, and their phone number is area code 319-352-1187. Next, James Bernard Elliott, 96, of Cedar Falls, was united with his wife of 73 years, Laurel, his parents and eight siblings in heaven on Tuesday, January thirtieth, 2024. He was a beloved father to Jim, Steve, and Kevin, grandfather to eight, and great-grandfather to 20. Jim will remain in the hearts of his family forever. A memorial service for Jim will be at 11 o'clock a.m., on Saturday, February seventeenth, with visitation one hour prior at Dahl Van Hoof Shoof Funeral Home, burial at a later date at Hillside Cemetery of Cedar Falls. Rather than flowers, Jim wished for memorials to go to Ronald McDonald House of Iowa City or to the American Legion Post 138 of Waterloo. A full obituary and additional information is available at www.dollfuneralhome.com. Next is Donald Don Richard Gerdes, a lifelong resident of Grundy County, Iowa. He passed away at his home in Wellsburg on February 6, 2024, at the age of 82. Don was born on June 30, 1941, in rural Eldora, Melrose Township, to Gratus and Ruth, Doyle, Gurdies, and attended Wellsburg Community School. Before graduating high school, Don served in the Army and was stationed for a time in Germany, after which he returned home and completed his high school degree. Shortly after, he met Ardella Thede, and they married on June 28, 1969, in Gladbrook, Iowa. Don worked at Fisher Governor in Marshalltown, Iowa, From his return from the service through his retirement, he had a passion for motorcycles, tractors, cars, racing, and traveling with Ardella, and they would often drive their motor home to Texas during the colder winter months. He was a man of few words, but he was never short on interesting stories about the past that often ended in a hearty laugh. A visitation for Don will be held from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock a.m. on Monday, February 12, 2024, with a funeral service to follow directly at 11 o'clock a.m. The visitation and service will be held at Peace United Church of Christ at 201 Johnston Street in Gladbrook, Iowa. After the service, Don will be laid to rest in the Steamboat Rock Cemetery next to his wife Ardella in Steamboat Rock, Iowa. Anderson Funeral Homes have been entrusted with the arrangements. Condolences may be left online at www.andersonfhs.com. We turn now to the Metro Briefs column, Sheriff's Office to Hold Open House, Waterloo, a grand reopening and open house of the Black Hawk County Sheriff's Office will be held from 10 a.m. to 1 o'clock p.m. on Wednesday. After months of demolition and renovation of the front lobby and administrative office area, the office is fully reopened for business. The goal was to make more accommodating and private inmate visitation areas and spread out clerical stuff while improving workflow efficiency and employee workstations at the sheriff's office. Anyone attending the open house can meet K 9 Mary, the new Community Engagement and Crisis Response K 9, who was officially sworn into service in January. The office is located at 225 East 6th Street in Waterloo. Cedar Falls D. A. R. Chapter to meet. Dateline Cedar Falls. The Cedar Falls chapter of the Daughters of the American Revolution will meet at 9.30 a.m. February 17th at the First United Methodist Church at 718 Clay Street. The program will honor six seniors from area high schools, Cedar Falls, Dyke-New Hartford, Hudson, Union, Valley Lutheran, and West Waterloo. These students will be presented with the Good Citizens Award Certificate and PIN, Daughters of the American Revolution, is a non profit women's organization that is open to any woman older than 18 who can prove their lineage to a revolutionary patriot. For help with research and more information, email cfchapterdar at gmail.com. Tea party planned at Snowden House, Dateline Waterloo. The Grout Museum District is hosting tea parties at the Snowden House. 306 Washington Street, through May of 2024. The next party, Black Innovators Tea Party, will take place on February 24th. At this party, participants will learn about the contributions of Black American inventors. Cost is $10 for members and $12 for non-members. Pre-registration is required by February 22nd. To sign up, visit gmdistrict.org or call area code 319-234-6357. Free Dental Event Held for Children, Dateline Waterloo. Black Hawk County Public Health's iSmile Program is partnering with Kimball & Beecher Family Dentistry to provide free dental care to children in need on February 23rd. Appointments will be scheduled from 8 a.m. to 2 o'clock p.m. at the 4015 Hearst Drive. The Give Kids a Smile in the Cedar Valley Day provides free dental services to children ages 1 to 13. Services include oral exams, x-rays, preventive care such as cleaning, fluoride, and sealants, as well as restorative care such as fillings. Children must be registered in advance and parental permission received to receive services. If transportation to the event is an issue, Medicaid patients are advised to contact the member service phone number on the back of their Iowa Medicaid card to schedule a ride. Scheduling must be done at least three days prior to the appointment day. To sign up, call Kimball and Beecher Family Dentistry at Area Code 319 235-6287 to schedule an appointment. If you have questions about the iSmile program, call area code 319-292-2284 or visit the Blackhawk County Public Health website. Church holding soul food meal, Waterloo. Impact Church of Hope will host a soul food community meal on February 20th. The meal will go from 4:30 p.m. to 6 o'clock p.m. at 710 Broadway Street. Following the meal, the movie Big George Foreman will be shown. The event is free and the public is welcome to attend. For more information, contact the church at area code 319-233-7664. Met Transit to hold input meeting. Dateline Waterloo. Met Transit is hosting two public meetings to discuss proposed route changes. They will be held 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. on February 27th at the Downtown Central Transfer Center at 416 Sycamore Street. The busing company will discuss potential changes that will keep the coverage in Waterloo and Cedar Falls, where service is currently provided, reduce loops to improve efficiency, and maintain access to areas where there are jobs. Anyone with questions can contact Bill Troe from SRF Consulting at area code 402-513-2158 or btroe at srfconsulting.com. Next, workshop set on falling concerns. Dateline Waverly. The Northeast Iowa Area Agency on Aging is offering A Matter of Balance Managing Concerns About Falls, an award winning workshop designed to increase the activity levels of older adults with concerns about falling. Workshop sessions will be held from 9 to 11 a.m. Thursdays, March 7th through April 25th at the Waverly Senior Center. 506 East Bremer Avenue. Registration deadline is March 1st. Participants will learn to promote exercise to increase strength and balance, set realistic goals for increasing activity, improve the environment to reduce fall risk factors, and view falls and fear of falling as controllable. Prior registration is required by contacting Elise Bovee, at area code 319-874-6892 or EBOVY at NE13A.org. Space is limited. Each participant will receive a detailed training manual. There is a suggested contribution of $20 to cover the cost of the materials. Bill would define man and woman. Iowa Republican lawmakers advanced a bill this week that would define man and woman in state law and require transgender Iowans to note both their pre- and post-transition genders on some legal documents. Activists stomped, shouted, and chanted outside a committee room Tuesday in vehement opposition to the proposal by Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds that they say would erase transgender Iowans from the state code. And now, listeners, that's going to do it for today's reading of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier for Monday, February 12th. I'm your volunteer reader, Bob Young. Remember that you can listen to a recording of this reading of The Courier or of the other newspapers around the state that we read. Just visit our website, iowaradioreading.org, at any time. And we want to thank you for listening to your iris, Iowa's first and only radio reading service.